The Global Road Safety Podcast is sponsored by Smith System, celebrating 70 years of impacting road safety around the world. Find us at drivedifferent.com. Smith System. Drive different. Save lives. With safer vehicle design, driver assistance technology, and mountains of data available for monitoring devices, why is it that vehicle crashes and deaths continue to rise? According to the World Health Organization, on-road injuries are among the leading causes of death worldwide, especially in low-income countries. With more deaths, more injuries, and billions of dollars in annual costs, what can drivers and the companies that hire them do to keep our roads safer? Welcome to the Global Road Safety Podcast. I'm Tony Douglas. Recently, I was privileged to interview the Honorable Robert L. Sumwalt, 14th Chairman of the National Transportation Safety Board, upon his recent retirement. Chairman Sumwalt served the NTSB for 15 years, having been appointed by Presidents Bush, Obama, and Trump. Prior to his distinguished service at the NTSB, Chairman Sumwalt was an airline pilot for 24 years, served NASA in aviation safety research, and as a faculty member at the University of Southern California in the role of primary human factors instructor as part of their aviation safety and security program. Since joining the NTSB, he has been an advocate for improving road safety, including teen driver safety, impaired driving, and distractions in transportation. In our recent interview, Chairman Sumwalt shares the mission of the NTSB, discusses their most wanted list, takes a deeper dive into their safe systems approach to road safety, and perhaps most importantly, he gives us all an exhortation to modeling good behavior for our children and teen drivers when we're behind the wheel. I hope you enjoy the interview. Let's get to it. It's a distinct privilege to introduce the Honorable Robert L. Sumwalt to the Global Road Safety Podcast audience. Welcome, sir. Great to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to be with you today. Thank you so much. For the benefit of our listeners outside of the United States, would you mind sharing a bit of the charter history and mission of the NTSB? I'd be delighted to. And as you um, as you know, Tony, I've uh, I retired from 15 years of the NTSB uh, just uh, about six weeks ago, six or seven weeks ago. The NTSB is a federal agency charged by Congress to investigate transportation accidents to determine the probable cause and issue safety recommendations to keep those accidents and crashes from happening. Thank you. And again, on behalf of those of us here in the States, thank you for your service for those 15 years. Uh, We certainly appreciate it very much. As a pilot, I am most affected by your extensive aviation experience. Uh, Perhaps you could talk a bit about human factors that you learned uh, in your work with NASA and and how those human factors kind of transcend or correlate to other modes of transportation other than aviation? Yeah, that's a great question. And certainly uh, when I look at, at human factors, when I think of human factors, I think it's how, how uh, humans interact with the system or maybe how the system interacts with the humans. It involves the individual person, him or herself. It involves the 
a physical environment. That could be the, the weather, or it could involve the environmental pressures like self-induced pressures or company-induced pressures. It could involve the regulatory influence. So all of those come together to affect uh, the way that somebody operates, not to mention the operation, the operation between the interaction between the human and the machine. So all of those interact to affect how we as humans uh, do perform. Yeah, we see certainly uh, on the road safety side of transportation, so many things that are even external influences, things like handheld mobile devices, PDAs, and you mentioned human factors uh, in terms of individual fatigue, that sort of thing. I'm wondering what your thoughts are around uh, the current distracted driving situation uh, in the United States and around the world. Well, obviously, I think it's a real problem. We've seen a number of, of crashes uh, that have happened where somebody is talking on a cell phone or they are texting or trying to play with some sort of a some sort of an other electronic device. We've even seen a, a crash where the driver was playing a video game and did not even apply the brakes at all. So um, yeah, distracted driving is a huge issue. It's not, it's not a new issue, uh, certainly by having screaming kids in the back of a car. That's been with us for a long time. That can certainly be a distraction. But we've introduced over the last uh, couple of decades the possibility of electronic distraction. So uh, it, is, it is an issue, and we do need to get our hands around it. So I noted from your bio that you've been active in teen driver safety initiatives would you mind sharing your thoughts on how we can better prepare teens and, of course, maintain adult safe driving skills over the lifespan of a driver? Yeah, I really uh, got interested in that topic, Tony, because when I joined the board, uh, and it's exactly 15 years ago this month, uh, my daughter was 12. And, uh, you know, I was scared to death of her getting out on the roadway. Well, she's 27, and guess what? I'm still scared to death when she gets out on the roadway, but for a different reason, just because I worry, because I do know that highway crashes are uh, can be devastating. But, um, you know, there are a number of things that, uh, that, that parents can do to improve uh, the chances of a teen driving safely. One is model good behavior. If uh, if uh, if a child is watching parents talking on the cell phone, then they're more likely to uh, to go out and talk on the cell phone when they drive. Another thing that we found is that increasing the number of young people in the car is a risk factor. So uh, there's programs called graduated licensing programs (GDLs) where the states require certain things of these. Uh, novice drivers, like only one passenger in the car, things like that. Yeah, it's uh, an experience I've shared with you in the last uh, 12 or so years as well with a number of, of our children hitting the road. It's, it's a, a terrifying circumstance, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. I'm curious, in your 15 years on the NTSB, did you observe any noteworthy trends in road safety that were particularly concerning to you? I know we've mentioned distracted driving. Anything else come to mind as a, a particular concern? I think the most recent uh, disturbing trend is, is that highway fatalities are up 8% compared to the same period in a non-pandemic time, whereas vehicle miles traveled has been down. 
So that's very much of a uh, troubling trend. We also know that um, that most of these trends are going the wrong way. Uh, in a recent 10-year period, we, we saw that pedestrian uh, fatalities increased by 27%, while overall driving fatalities decreased by about 13%. So that's certainly going the wrong way. That was over a recent 10-year period. Overall, um, if you look at bicyclists, motorcyclists, and pedestrians over the last uh, couple of years, they are up 5%. So yes, the, the trends are going the wrong way. Any, uh, any thoughts on actions we can, uh, we can be taking uh, as individuals, as companies, uh, as, as society to, to combat those trends? Yeah, the uh, the NTSB uh, has a most wanted list. Uh, we, and I'll say we because I was a part of it when it was passed uh, this past spring, the board approved the most wanted list. Uh, it's a list that comes out every other year. And one of the new items on that list is to protect or for a safe systems approach. And And what does that really mean? It means that We've got to look at the entire system. Uh, traditionally, if there's a crash, we'd say, oh, the driver was drunk or the driver was speeding or something, and we tended to focus just on that human. But let's go back to how I was describing hu- human factors. It's a number of things that affect the way a person performs. So with the safe systems approach, we're looking for five things. We need safer roads. Road designs can be better. Uh, safer cars, safer automobiles, safer drivers, safer speeds, and then safe mitigation so that if there is a crash, you're mitigating the injuries by a number of reasons. Airbags, seatbelts would be a good method of mitigating injuries. So the the board has called for uh, a safe systems approach to improving, kind of backing up now, improving roadway design, uh, improving the, the vehicle designs, uh, making sure that the drivers, uh, impaired driving is a huge issue. Each year we lose about 10,000 people due to alcohol impaired driving alone. That does not include the uh, five or 6,000 more fatalities that occur due to uh, drug impaired driving. So, uh, and then speeding, it, it sounds kind of obvious, but the faster you drive, the more likely you're going to be uh, in a crash. And if you are in a crash, the more likely you will be injured. So all of those things combined, if we could affect changes in each of those areas, including the, the mitigation methods, I think we really could drive the number of roadway fatalities and uh, injuries down significantly. And, and thank you for that. That uh, was an enlightening summary. Now, as we think about technology, much of the energy around driverless cars has seemed to wane of late. Have you developed any thoughts around the potential opportunities and shortcomings uh, that might be promoted in a driverless environment? And I'm not speaking on the board for, uh, for uh, on behalf of the board for any of these now. Now that I'm gone, but uh, I will say that the last time I testified to uh, to Congress, it was on this very topic about uh, about autonomous vehicles. And the la- the very last thing that I said when asked is, I feel that this technology has great promise, uh, but it has to be done properly. And, uh, and that's really where the sausage gets made is when we try to define what properly means. But yeah, I think ultimately it would have a profound effect on improving safety, improving efficiency on the roadways, 
but uh, I think we're a long ways off from uh, from seeing that. I don't think it'll be any time in the next three to five years. It's a, it's a long-term thing that we're looking at. Certainly. So as you think about doing that properly, I'm assuming there are things like regulations and engineering and things that would be uh, involved. What what kinds of things do you think would complement uh, that in terms of doing it properly? Yeah, in February, I signed a letter on behalf of the NTSB uh, to NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. That, of course, is the organization that, that sets vehicle safety standards. And uh, we feel that uh, they've put out an advanced notice of proposed rulemaking. That's just a bureaucratic term for they're getting ready to get ready to promulgate some, some rules. And, you know, we pointed out that before they do anything at all, They've got to have a, a design philosophy for what they want to accomplish. And uh, we felt like they might have been getting a little bit ahead of themselves. Uh, they've got to have that philosophy before they can even develop the framework. But, um, uh, you know, the regulator, Tony, has a really important job here. When I talk about the regulator, I mean the regulatory authority. They've got a very important job. Uh, it's a critical role. On one hand, uh, they should not be inhibiting the innovation of technology. But on the other hand, they've got to make sure they are doing their job by regulating to make sure that the technology, when it is introduced, is introduced properly and actually accomplishes what it's trying to do. And that is primarily increase safety. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, you know, it it seems that as a a mid-step to full driverless, we are certainly seeing driver assistance technology, things like lane departure warnings and adaptive cruise control. Have any of those advances been noteworthy in terms of either preventative benefits to accidents that the NTSB is, has investigated, or do you have any thoughts around, around those technologies? Absolutely. The NTSB does uh, strongly support these uh, driver assist technologies, like uh, like you mentioned, uh, one is automatic emergency braking. Uh, that can save lives right there. Lane departure warning, adaptive cruise control systems. These are very important. They're sort of taking baby steps towards full autonomy, which, of course, we're not anywhere close to full autonomy. But those systems are helpful. In fact, we've called for more of those technologies to be introduced into uh, heavy trucks. Yeah, it would seem the the heavy truck environment is is perfect that and and buses for uh, for that kind of technology. So, Chairman Sumwalt, as we think about the NTSB, I know as a as a consumer of information, I think of your team, your former team, is is being the individuals who are on CNN after a plane crash, and I'm sure you have done that a number of times. In terms of kind of the percentage of time that the NTSB is focused on aviation versus surface transportation, how, how does, I guess, both from a time and staffing standpoint, how does that play itself out? Yeah, that's a great question. By statute, the NTSB has the statutory responsibility to investigate all civil aviation accidents in this country. And to give you an, an idea of magnitude, there are about 1,300 civil aviation accidents in this country each year. Most of those, fortunately, are not fatal. So, uh, But when it comes to the other modes of transportation, highway, marine, pipeline, hazardous materials, 
and uh, let's see, in rail, in rail. Um, the board does not have to investigate uh, every one of those. Uh, and when you figure we have millions of, of highway crashes each year, fortunately not all are, are fatal, but uh, the board just could not possibly do that. That's one of those responsibilities that's, uh, that's left up to primarily to the state and federal government. However, if it's something that could be something really where the NTSB feels that it could be a safety payback, we're going to look at it. And uh, one of one of which was before we went on the air, you asked me about the I-35 uh, pileup that happened in icy conditions back uh, this past February. That's one where we felt that, you know what, we need to look at this. We need to see if there's systemic issues uh, that uh, could be larger in nature that could, uh, if, if we learn something there, it could uh, broadly impact safety throughout the, uh, throughout the highway system. So we have a lot of discretion. I'm, I'm speaking too much, but we have a lot of discretion on everything other than aviation. Now, with that in mind, to try and answer your question, the NTSB has 400 employees. Uh, 120 of those are in our Office of Aviation Safety. So that is the largest office, again, because of our statutory mandate to investigate all civil aviation accidents. The other offices are divided by uh, by mode. Uh, there's Office of Marine Safety. That's got about 30 employees. The Office of Rail Pipeline and Hazardous Materials, that's about 30 employees. Office of Highway Safety, about the same. So yes, aviation is by far the largest office uh, just because of the statutory mandate. Understood. Thank you. Uh, Robert, I think we'd all benefit from any words you would be willing to share around the human toll from transportation accidents. Any parting thoughts that, that you might like to give in, in terms of the aftermath, which is not what we see generally on CNN? Yeah, you're right. And um, certainly uh, part of uh, my responsibilities as a board member on scene, the chairman of the board, before we go into a board meeting where we're going to deliberate a particular uh, accident or crash, is that uh, I will oftentimes meet with, uh, with family members. Certainly, uh, it's devastating. You may meet them within hours of, uh, of the tragedy, uh, their emotions still raw. And one thing that I can take away is that life is so precious. And so I mentioned that I do worry when my daughter gets on the road. Uh, she lives in North Carolina and comes to see us in South Carolina. And, uh, and I worry every time she's on the road. I worry when my wife gets on the road because, again, life is precious and we see how easily it can be uh, snuffed out. So um, that would really be my, my parting thoughts right there. Thank you so much for that. I, I know that it has been an experience for you that has had many of those kinds of interactions. And again, that's that's all part of the service that, that uh, you've so graciously provided to our country over so many years. It's been such an honor to have you join us in conversation today. Many thanks again and uh, all the best in the years to come. You. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be with you. And that wraps this episode of the Global Road Safety Podcast. Stay tuned for future guest announcements and drive safely. The Global Road Safety Podcast is sponsored by Smith System, the leader in crash avoidance driver safety training. Follow the Global Road Safety Podcast for new episodes coming soon. Mm-hmm.